Philippians chapter 3. This has been the verse of our series that we're in, and our series is called Work in Progress, and this has been our key verse all throughout this, and it says this in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, not that I have already attained it, attained it being perfection. I haven't attained it. Or I'm already perfected, but what I do is I press on that I may lay a hold of that which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. There is coming a day where we will be perfected in Christ. The day is not here yet, but in the meantime, I am being perfected. I haven't attained it yet. And you can flip over. We're going to read Philippians chapter 2 here in just a moment. But before we do it, kicking off our series, Work in Progress, let's pray one more time. Lord, touch the word, anoint it. May it go forth, pierce every heart, pierce the darkness, open up every ear to hear and receive of your word. We thank you tonight. In Jesus' name, come on, if you'll believe and receive that, say amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Hey, so in this series, we've kind of been looking at, at three things, and I want to put it up here on the screen. We've been looking at number one is justification, and if you've been in the past series, it says this, justification says, I am saved. So we are justified with God when we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus died and rose again. That's justification. We receive salvation in that moment. It's a big word, but the simple phrase for it is, I am am saved. Then we talked about sanctification last week, and if you'll remember, we had uh, the boards up here on stage, and we talked about how the pressures and the stresses of life are a sanctification process, that God will allow us to go through things, to filter things out of us, so in the long run, we look more like him. So sanctification says this, I am being saved, or I am being made to look more like Christ, and then today we're going to focus on this glorification, and glorification says, I will be saved. So when I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart, I am saved, right? In that moment, I am saved. But there's still things in us that don't look like God, and therefore we're going through the process of sanctification. We are being saved, but there is going to come a day where we will stand before God, and he will either say, welcome my good and faithful servant, or he will say, depart, for I never knew you. But if we have been justified, if we've been sanctified, there's coming a day where we will be glorified. Come on, somebody say amen to that. So here's the concept that I think we can struggle with when it comes to glorification, and I hope that you leave tonight encouraged. I hope that you leave tonight. What, but let me say this. What in last week? incredible. I mean, last week, I really do feel like, and even I, I felt it in worship tonight, just before I, I dive into this, because I, I really, last week, something broke over Restoration Church. Uh, last week, something broke in this place, and I felt it tonight. I felt such a joy. I felt such a peace. I felt such a, a freedom in this place, and, and I just know that it's something that God is going to, to build on. But I, I, when it comes to glorification, I feel like we can struggle with this. I feel like we can struggle with feeling less than. You know, we think of this concept of eternity with God. We think of this concept of heaven. We think of this concept of being made perfect. And in our minds, 
it, it's, it's hard for us to grasp this because we go, there's no way that I can be good enough, that I can add up, that I can measure up. There's no way that I could even make it into heaven on my acts, on my goodness, on the things that I've done. And you're right. It has nothing to do with my works. It has nothing to do with how good I can be or how good I am not. It only has to do with what Jesus did for us on the cross. And so if we look at glorification or heaven or eternity and what we can do and what we can earn in our minds, we're always going to fall short. And I want you to leave encouraged tonight, knowing that God has already paved the way for us to heaven. Amen. Come on, that's good news. Let's go. Philippians chapter two. This is going to be our verse for tonight that we're really going to dive into and take a look at because I want to discuss our humanity. When it comes to glorification, I think we need to understand and accept our humanity. Come on, somebody say humanity. Let's accept our humanity tonight. Philippians chapter 2 says this. Think of yourselves the way that Christ Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status with God but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. This is in the message translation, and I love the way that it says this. It says that he didn't have to cling to the advantage of that status no matter what, not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity, and he took on the status of a slave, and he became Human. You may underline that. If you have a message Bible, you can. Whatever, however it says it in your Bible, it's going to say it differently. Having become human, he stayed human. Are you seeing this? He's fully God, and he's fully man. He steps out of heaven as God, wraps himself in flesh, and submits himself to being human and humanity. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process, the message translation says. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, look at these words, he lived a selfless, obedient life. And then he died a selfless, obedient death. And the worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. See, I think you need to understand tonight that for us to be glorified, in order for us to be redeemed, that Jesus had to first come to this earth and overcome this flesh. He had to be subject to the flesh in the same way that we are. He was tempted. He hurt. He was hungry. His body became tired, but he overcame. Come on, somebody say amen. He was obedient even to death on a cross, and because he was obedient, we will be glorified. If you're taking notes with me tonight, I think the first thing that you should write down is this. We are not superhuman. Just breathe a sigh of relief tonight because we are not superhuman. Because when I look at our lives, we're all trying to do the most, right? All the time. We're all trying to do the most, holding down multiple jobs, being at every event that your kids have or multiple kids have. We're doing our best to be a good spouse, being our best to be a good 
parent. We're trying to save money, trying to eat right, trying to get your exercise in, trying to stay away from sin and temptation. There's this pressure to be superhuman, but take the pressure off tonight because we're not perfect and we're not meant to be. That's something that you ought to say amen about right there. Look, you're not going to get it right all the time because we're not superhuman. Tonight, we need to embrace our humanity and realize that we have limits. Now, I want you to notice something. I've talked about this. He's fully God, and he's fully man. Some of you may have even read this in Scripture and go, okay, how are you fully God and fully man at the same time? Well, I'm glad you asked. Jesus had earthly, in his earthly body, he had limits, and he accepted those limits as a man. Does that make sense? I want you to stick with me, and I want you to listen closely, because I'm going to say some things tonight that if you're not paying attention, if you're not listening, you can twist it, and you can take it out of context. He's fully God, and he's fully man. I'm talking about right now, Jesus as a man. Philippians says that he stepped out of heaven, he wrapped himself in flesh, and he subjected himself to being a man, meaning that when it was time to eat, Jesus was hungry. Meaning that when it was time to sleep, guess what? Jesus needed to sleep. Now, he could have at any moment just been like, you know what, I'm God. Boom, I'm not tired anymore, everything's good. But he knew if I am going to overcome death, hell, and the grave, I have to subject myself to the flesh... I have to become fully man so I can overcome sin in this body. Does that make sense? Are you with me? So Jesus steps out of heaven. Watch this. Let me give you an example of his humanity as he came to earth and accepted this role to conquer sin. Watch Luke chapter 5, 16. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and he prayed. He's fully God, but he's fully man. He said, in my man suit, I still have to connect with heaven. As a human, as a man, I still have to connect with the Father. So he would withdraw and he would retreat into the wilderness. He would go away from those 12 disciples that I'm sure drove him crazy. He's like, I just need some time away from you guys. I got to withdraw. Y'all are bringing me stress. You're driving me crazy with all your questions. So he would withdraw into the wilderness and he would pray. So why then when we take a position like we're superhuman and we can do everything? No, we need to withdraw away and pray. If you're trying to do life without time alone with God, you have to realize that you were placing yourself higher than Jesus. Can I say that again? If you're trying to do life without time alone with God, you're placing yourself higher than Jesus because even Jesus took time away in, in his earthly position and he spent time with the Father in heaven and he prayed. We need prayer. We need God's presence. We need time away. You need time to retreat and pray. We can't live life without prayer and time in God's presence. Why? Because we are not superhuman. But we can connect with the supernatural power. Come on. We can connect with the supernatural power that is Jesus that will help us in our time of weakness. And my time of weakness is every day. I need his power. Let me show you his humanity again. Matthew chapter 4, verse 2, it says, 
And when he fasted 40 days and 40, night, 40 nights afterwards, he was hungry. How many of you, if you went without food for 40, you'd be, I'd be dead. I just, I'm going to be like, I can't make it. You know, if the Lord says you're going to fast 40 days and four, I'm going to be like, you sure you said that, God? Are we sure? I'm going to have to have an audible voice. Some of y'all said that last year when we uh, declared a 21 day fast. You said, are you sure you heard from the Lord on that? I'm like, yeah, I'm sure. And, and God showed up and moved. Listen, if Jesus fasted, we should fast. If Jesus retreated and said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to carve out time in my schedule and it's going to be dedicated to seeking God's face. But I love also that he was human and he got hungry. He may have even got hangry. I don't know. No, he didn't get hangry. He got hungry. But Jesus was fully God and he was fully man. He got hungry. He was tempted. But he also fasted because he acknowledged his humanity and knew that he needed a supernatural power that he wouldn't find in his flesh. He knew that it was only going to come from heaven. So fasting and prayer had to be a part of his life and it has to be a part of your life. You're not superhuman and you can't do life without Christ. Let me show you his humanity just a little more further. Matthew chapter 8, verse 24. And suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea. So the boat was covered with waves, but where was Jesus? Jesus was, he was what? When do you go to sleep? When you're tired. So if Jesus went to sleep, guess what? Jesus was tired. And so if Jesus needs rest, guess who else needs rest? But what do we do? We're like, you know what? It's 8 p.m. and I got a lot to do. So let me just grab me a coffee. And I'll power through all the, I got a load of laundry. I got a stack of laundry. So what do I do? Maybe you're like me at 3 o'clock. You're like, I still got a lot of day left. So you grab yourself a Red Bull and you just try to power through. But maybe if I'd go to bed a little earlier, maybe I wouldn't need a Red Bull. Okay, I'm preaching to myself up here, but. But how many of you know we need rest? Look, if Jesus needed rest, we need rest. And a lot of times we try to act like we're superhuman, like we can just run at 90 miles an hour all the time, function on little sleep, go to bed late, get up early, run as hard as we can, and expect not to crash, not to be tired. We need rest. Rest and taking a time off or, or a day off for me, it shows our dependence on God. It's like, it's like your Sabbath of your week. You're taking time, you're taking time off, and you're saying, God, I believe that you can do in six days what I can do in seven. It's the same way that we come and we give our tithe and we go, God, I believe that you can do more with the 90 than I can do with the 100. And I believe it shows a dependence on God saying, God, I'm going to take a Sabbath, I'm going to take a day, I'm going to rest, and I am going to get caught up rather than trying to be superhuman. And in 2009, I thought I was superhuman. And I was burning the candle at both ends. I was running 100 miles an hour. Uh, I was holding down multiple positions at the church that I was at. I wasn't in a healthy place. I wasn't spending time with God the way that I needed to. I wasn't drawing away and resting. I was working seven days a week, just doing the thing, just grinding. And it ended me up in a hospital bed. Ended me up in a hospital bed, stressed out, sick. And I can tell you this, that if God rested, we need to rest. We're not superhuman. 
And listen, don't listen to all these Insta influencers who say that you have to be up at 4 a.m. and read 12 books by 5 a.m. and all this stuff. Like, don't listen to them, all right? We're not superhuman. But we're also not this. Write this down. We're not subhuman. You're not superhuman, but you're not subhuman. Because in one moment, we could feel superhuman, and then in the next moment, we can feel subhuman. Anybody know what I'm talking about? One moment, we feel like we can't be stopped and that there isn't anything that we can't do. And then in the next moment, we can feel so defeated and so less than. But we're not subhuman. The comparison game is so real in our world today. We begin to look at everybody else's life and compare our lives to theirs. Their kids are so well behaved and mine act like the devil. They have it all together financially. They live such a spiritually disciplined life. They're so in shape, et cetera, et cetera. The list goes on and we can compare ourselves to others and make ourselves feel subhuman. But can I tell you tonight, we're all human. We all struggle We're all flesh and blood. I don't care who they are. I don't care how many followers they have on Instagram. And if they have the best advice in the world, they're just human. Listen to what Galatians 3.28 says. It says, there is neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, neither male nor female. You are all what? We're all one in Christ. And if we are in Christ, guess what? We are his children. We're not subhuman, but we belong to Christ. Acts 17, 28 says it this way. For in him we live and move and we have what? Our being. As also some of you, uh, some of your own poets have said, for we are his offspring. We are the children of God. Come on, somebody say amen to that. We're made in his image. We're not subhuman, but we are his children. We are loved. We are graced. We are forgiven. We are set free. We are redeemed. We are chosen. We are called. We are made righteous. We are his. We're not subhuman, but we are chosen. I love the story in the Gospels of Mary Magdalene. And Jesus is invited to a Pharisee's house for dinner. And Mary Magdalene makes her way into, she's just recently been set free. Jesus has just had an encounter where he set her free and redeemed her life. And here Jesus is, he walks into the house of a Pharisee. And the Pharisee doesn't offer to clean his feet or as it was the custom of that day. He didn't do any of the things that he should have done. And Mary comes in. She anoints Jesus with oil. She kneels at his feet and with her tears begins to cry at his feet and wash Jesus' feet with her tears and, and dry his feet with her hair. And the Pharisee doesn't even say anything out loud. This religious teacher of the law doesn't say anything out loud. But in his heart and in his mind, he simply begins to judge this woman. He begins to look at her as subhuman. And Jesus, knowing the Pharisees thought, the Bible says, turns to the Pharisee and begins to ask him some questions. And he says to the Pharisee, he says, listen, he says, if there's one person that has a really great debt, and there's another person that has a smaller debt, which is worse? 
Jesus goes on to make the point that they're both in debt and neither can pay the debt. And it doesn't matter the debt of sin that we have in our life. We can't pay the debt that we owe. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death, and we can't pay the wages of sin. There was only one that could, and so he stepped out of heaven. He wrapped himself in flesh. He became human that he might overcome death, hell, and the grave. And the reason that I'm not less than or subhuman, I have a debt that I couldn't pay, but Christ forgave me and forgave it. And so I want to encourage somebody to stop being so hard on yourself because we're not subhuman human. We're not less than. We are all sinners in need of a Savior. We are all God's creation, and we need redemption. It doesn't make you subhuman. It makes you simply human. My third point tonight is this, is that we are simply human. Let's go back to this opening passage of Scripture, Philippians chapter 2, verses 8. This is what Jesus it said about Jesus in this passage of Scripture said he didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life. And then he died a selfless, obedient death. And the worst kind of death at that was a crucifixion. Jesus didn't live according to his humanity. He lived a selfless life. And he realized that if he walked according to the flesh, he was powerless. And so he had to rely on heaven to flow through him. His strength had to come somewhere beyond his humanity. He had to go to the Father. Matthew 16, 25 says it this way, For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Can you see just the, the upside-downness of this, if I can use a made-up word? It's this backwards concept that if we struggle to save our life and preserve our life, we actually lose it. But if we come to Christ in humility and say, God, my life is yours. Everything I am is yours. I need your strength. I need you to fill me. I need you to work through me. If we will live a selfless life, that's when we actually get our life back and we find it. Humility is the key to living a simply human life. It's this, it's recognizing who we are. We acknowledge our limitations and we embrace our humility or we embrace our humanity and humble ourselves before God, acknowledging that we need him. Because if we strive to make it all happen in our own humanity, guess what? We fail. And when we fail, guess what happens? Then we feel subhuman. But when we rely on God's strength, when we come to God in fasting and in prayer and spend time with him and we depend on our strength from heaven, guess what? It lifts us up when we'll just embrace our humanity and go, God, I am who I am and I need your power and your strength today. Come on, can we just embrace our humanity today? Because one of the greatest examples, I believe, of this in the Bible is the story of Moses. Think with me just for a second about, about Moses. Here Moses was that he was, he was born into royalty, or rather raised in royalty, not born into royalty, but raised up in royalty in the palace. 
He had opportunity to think of himself as superhuman. He had opportunity to place himself on a pedestal and look down upon people. He had the opportunity living in the palace and being considered one of royalty to look down and and judge others. But instead, he had a heart of compassion for his people, so much so that it, it caused him to kill an Egyptian. So he kills an Egyptian, and then he tries to cover it up, and he buries this Egyptian in the sand, and he flees for his life, and then he enters this stage to where he feels subhuman. He had the opportunity to feel more than and look down on, but he doesn't. Now he finds himself in this place where he feels subhuman and less than for his mistakes. And so we we pick up this story in Exodus chapter 3. And you know the story. He's standing at a burning bush where God begins to speak to him. And God has this to say to Moses. He says, come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, listen, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? I believe in that moment he was probably reflecting on, who am I? I'm I'm a murderer. Why, Why would Pharaoh... Why would Pharaoh listen to me? Not only did I do something bad, then I, then I went back and tried to cover it up and, and bury it and, and cover up the mistake. And then I fled for my life and I ran, the per, ran from the purpose of God. He's rehearsing these things. Why? Because for his life, I really do feel like that Moses probably felt like he was subhuman. But God comes to him in this moment and gives him a redeeming moment and says, look, in spite of your past, I'm going to use you. Why? Because I'm God and you're simply human. He says, how should I bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So he said, I will certainly be with you. And this shall be a sign that I have sent to you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Verse 13, then Moses said to God, indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me and they say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. Can I tell you that when you feel subhuman, God says, I am. When he comes to us and he places a call and a purpose on our life and we begin to rehearse all the things and all the reasons why we can't and we go, God, but I'm not. He says, I am. God, but I can't. He says, I can. And that's exactly what happened in this moment is that Moses began to kind of recite and give God excuse after excuse. And God just said, look, don't worry about it. I've got it under control. I am who I am. Am. I've got it under control. And I think that it's time that we embrace our humanity, our mistakes, our flaws. Does it mean that we stay in it? No. Sanctification says what? I am being saved. But there's no way that we're going to get to the process of glorification if we can't allow ourselves the, to have grace be poured over our life and actually be sanctified. 
Watch this, Exodus chapter 4, it goes on to say this. Then Moses said to the Lord, Oh Lord, I'm not eloquent, neither before you uh, nor since you have spoken to your service, but I am slow in speech and slow of tongue. So the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth, or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have I not the Lord? God said, Look, it doesn't matter what your inefficiencies are. It doesn't matter what your deficiencies are. It doesn't matter your shortcomings. It doesn't. Look, I am God, and I will take care of them. And so many times we come to God with the list of why we can't. So many times we come to God with the list of all our wrongs, and God just says, look, I'm God, and I can cover it all. I can cover the past. I can cover the mistakes. I can cover the sin. We're simply human, and being simply human means this, that we look up at heaven and we go, I'm just a work in progress. We just look up at heaven and we just go, God, I can't do this on my own. Every day we wake up and we just acknowledge, I'm just man, and I need you, God. At most every day when I get up, the prayer that I pray has helped me to be the husband that I need to be, helped me to be the dad that I need to be, helped me to be the pastor that I need to be, helped me to be the friend that I need to be, because I can't do any of these things without God. Because I'm human, I'm flawed. I have mistakes, I have issues, but when I'll look to heaven and I'll say, Father, I need you, there's a strength that I gain. I want the band to come back because being who God has called us to be, I truly believe it starts with embracing our humanity, embracing who we are, but also embracing who we aren't. Becoming who God has called us to be starts with humility. I'm going to close with this. Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but who lives in me? Christ. If I've been crucified with Christ, if I've been justified, then it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ that lives in me. And if Christ is living in me, then by the working of the Holy Spirit, he is causing me to look more like him. And if he lives in me one day when I stand before him, but God's not going to see me, he's going to see Christ living in me. And I'll be glorified. I've been crucified with Christ. I put my desires, I live a selfless life. I take up my cross and just say, God, I'm human. That's why I need you. That's why I need your strength. Come on, stand on your feet tonight, if you will. I'm simply human, but Christ lives in me. It's not about living in this flesh suit. It's about Christ living through me. That's where Jesus lived. He embraced the humanity, and he went to the Father. He fasted. He prayed. And the power of God worked through him all the way to the point to where he would be obedient to death on a cross. And think about he's fully God. He's fully man. On the night before he was crucified, as he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane,
in his humanity, he cried out to God, Father, if there's any way, let this cup pass. In his humanity, he knew what he was about to face. He knew the nails that he would take. He knew the stripes that he would take. He knew the rejection that he would face. He knew that God would then turn his face from him. And he said, look, if there's any way, God, that you can take this cup from me, that you can make it pass, that I don't have to walk through this, I don't, in his humanity. But he said, nonetheless, let your will be done and not mine. To Philippians' point, he was selfless and obedient to the call. And because of that, he overcame death, hell, and the grave. He died a real death on a real cross, was put in a real grave, but he came back to life. And because he came back to life, guess what? I have life. You have life. We can have joy. We can have peace. He defeated because he accepted humanity, and overcame it. Tonight, God, we submit to you. Lord, we know that we're weak in our flesh. We know that we're human. And God, we know that we need you. We know that we need your power. We know that we need your strength. We know that you need you to be present in our life, God. We're not superhuman. We're not subhuman. We're just simply human. And being human, God, we need your power. We need your strength. We need your spirit. We need your direction. Lord, we lay down negative thoughts about ourselves, negative ways of thinking about ourselves. God, we lay that down. God, we lay down comparison, Lord. We lay, God, even self-judgment down about ourselves. We know every area where we're weak. We know the mistakes that we make, but we lay it down. We won't let condemnation, God, paralyze us any longer. But, Lord, we accept your grace. We accept your forgiveness. It doesn't mean we live in that sin. We move on from it, but we accept your grace tonight. God, we realize we can't do it on our own. We're not superhuman. But we need you tonight, Jesus. We need you tonight.